a playlist original. Do you enjoy movies? Do you enjoy adult beverages? Do you enjoy conversations that could go off the rails at any second? If you said yes to any of these questions, then you should check out the Films and Fermentation podcast. I'm Leo. I'm Kevin. I'm Mike. We're just three friends. Who like to talk shit about movies. While getting shit-faced. So join us every week as we discuss interesting movie topics like best ensemble films, most paused moments in cinema, and the occasional movie review, plus so much more. When you add drinking, you have no idea where this conversation could go. So find us on Spotify, Apple Pods, Good Pods, YouTube, or wherever you go to listen to your favorite shows. You could also visit linktree.com slash films and fermentation to find all of our social media and podcast links. We'll be waiting for you to join us weekly at the crossroads between pickled and fermented. Cheers. Cheers. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster with your hosts Gaius and Jackson, fresh off his birthday weekend. How goes <laughs> it, buddy? Right. <laughs> oh, it was a great time. I mean, East Coast, where I'm at, East Coast Canada, was kind of been drenched in rain the last little bit, so it was a wet night out. But got lots of buddies together to celebrate. It was fun. I'm feeling good. Feeling 25, you know, <laughs> stretching out. It's it's it was a good weekend. Not not feeling too bad. But you, how was yours? How you been? What's what's new? With you? Uh, I like how you like you stretched it out. I was like, you're, yeah, you're starting not, to, you starting to already feel old. I've honestly recently just been starting to do some stretches. My buddy Cam is like he's big in the kinesiology. He's a grad in that field, and so he's I've very, been very notorious for not stretching out and giving my body the work it needs. And I've been doing that recently. And honestly, I've I've never felt better. So. I'm that's getting ahead of the old, the old man. Of the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there exactly. you go. That's how you have to. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I know we were Thank messing you. off and on throughout the weekend. Thank yeah, you for the shout out, by the way. Uh, no problem. No problem at all. And uh, the only, yeah, the only downside is that we didn't get to celebrate with you. But one day. I know, but, one of these days. 100%. Uh, we'll, one of these years. We'll, we'll get that. As for my weekend, it was funny because it was also my friend Kayla's birthday on your birthday. So we oh, went that's out right, on the Saturday. On, on Saturday, she didn't really have like a ton like planned because some of her friends were gone and like a lot of people were like in and out of town. So we just kind of gathered that like that Tower Twelve, which is like where we usually go on the weekends. Right. And uh, it was good. We stayed there for a little bit. I knew things were gonna go not awry. It was all fun, but like <laughs> the first shot that like our friend Vinny got there and he was like, "You guys good? You guys need drinks?" And we already had drinks. He's like, "All right, I'll get shots." And he was like, "What kind of shot do you want?" And she immediately was just like, "Tequila." And she's Ooh. like, "You guys want to? You guys want tequila, right?" And I was like, "I can't say no. It's your birthday." <laughs> so yeah, yeah, sure. And mm. I, I thought it was I thought it was great. We all took it and it was chill so i was fine with it it wasn't horrible but my buddy Serge, his face the entire time was like that sounds like, right. like me that's one of the yeah. few things i can't put down is tequila god no and then he went to the bathroom and he came back i was like did you throw up he's like, no <laughs> he's like no he's like no I didn't okay throw up. like i was like we got to work on that timing a bit more because you like took the shot made that ugly face and immediately went to the bathroom maybe he's, he's trying like, to save some space <laughs> and he's like i did not throw up 
And then we went to like a couple other bars and I knew that like, cause we met up with other people that she knew and they're buying drinks and buying her shots. Like she mm-hmm. tapped out fairly early compared to the rest of us, which is okay. why she, which is why, even though I was like, I think I messaged you. I was like, Oh, why do girls have this like kind of like birthday weekend thing? But I think she kind of wanted to make up for it on Sunday by like staying out a bit longer. So responsible so we, of her. So we went to brunch and it was like, I told you before we got on here, it's just supposed to be just beer. You know, we're just having beer because everyone wants to last. And that didn't last long at all. No, we made it to, went to the next, went to the next spot. And that was like the first thing they suggested was we should probably do some shots. Like, all right. I was exhausted. You know, it was her birthday and it was a good time. We all kind of rallied, right. and got, got through it. And Monday's your day off. Right. So that's a good excuse yes. to go hard on a Sunday. Not for me. I was a, I was a tired boy this morning. Um, <laughs> you're like oh, no. <laughs> yeah i was in bed like one thirty on sunday night but it's because i was out watching better call saul but speaking of which so you spent any of your weekend at the movies i know uh, you got I one did. thing in didn't you yeah, I, yeah, mi- yeah. I, mi- you see? I mixed in mixed in with the birthday stuff i saw and i'm glad i saw it originally i was gonna see the flash on thursday night and then i was like how long is the movie it's like two hours and 24 minutes i was like i can't like going to those movies at like nine ten o'clock after i get out of the restaurant it's getting harder when they're that long it's 100%. hard so like you know, a late night of the theater very late night and then you get out and you're just like damn like i already gotta just go home and go to bed because i gotta get ready for tomorrow but i saw it saturday morning with my little brother like a nice. 10 45 show on imax good time fairly well you know judging from what we learned about the box office it seemed fairly packed at 10 45 i mean but that's just you know at the okay. place we saw it and we saw that and i I kind of want to get into seeing movies like this this early in the morning because it was great to have the rest of the day. And then also, you know, totally. I actually liked the crowd uh, at an early showing like that because wasn't too kind of rowdy. There, there were some kids, but like not like really, really young kids. Okay. Um, it was just like the ni- a nice little mix people there. Uh, I had to sit on the movie for almost the whole weekend because I didn't know how I felt about it. Okay, so it came coming, out with some mixed feelings. Coming out of it. And here's what, and you know, like my buddy David, he messaged me, he's like, what grade would you give it? But also knowing that like, you could probably change your grade later, the more you think about it. Of course, uh, yeah, yeah. When he messaged me that on Saturday, I was like, B minus, and I felt pretty decent with that. Okay. And now I'm veering more towards like a C plus. Um, okay, okay, that seems so- like a line with what a lot of people have been saying about this movie which i think is like definitely i'm sure you're just as surprised as as me i think there's a lot of things to unpack about this movie it's gonna be a big part of the conversation today no yeah it, 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 i've not I mean, seen it yet just for clarification i will say what the frustrating frustrating about it is the stuff that really works works very well i thought the third act was really strong too it finishes really strong as far as like the okay. overall emotional arc of the movie okay. it, it has like surprisingly like strong emotional like end to the story which i thought was really good and ezra miller despite all their issues problems whatever that's Mm -hmm. a difficult role to play playing you know two different parts essentially you know one version of barry allen you know that's real you know the one that we all know and then this other one from this alternate timeline because you know as you know he goes back in time to try to prevent his mother's death it's not an easy role, and I thought that they did a really good job. I can't take that away from okay. Ezra Miller at all. Like, very strong. Very, I mean, the levity in the movie, this was, like, kind of had an issue with. Some of the humor worked, and some of it was just, like, I always, with these superhero movies now, it's, like, why would you throw a joke in, like, in, where there's, like, a serious thing that's going on? Like, like you wouldn't normally, like, 
pop out a joke during like a serious moment in your own life. In this mod- right. In this modern <laughs> age of superhero movies, though, we, you're totally right. We see that way, way too much. I was kind of had the feeling this movie would be guilty of that, especially where Barry Allen's like a character that is like known for like trying to be funny. I was going to say for being funny, but it obviously doesn't always land. So yeah, definitely seems like it suffers from that a little bit. I'm not surprised to hear that. But interesting to know that they're still going for that, that, I feel like they're trying to be Marvel in that sense, and I feel like DC movies are better off for trying to keep it, you know, serious in a darker tone. But that's their character. That's like their their wacky comedy. Yeah, it's it's their it's their quippy it's their quippy one. I mean, it's like I'm guessing like the closest thing it'd be like that's their Spider Man. I guess. Yeah, I almost actually said that myself. Yeah, that's right. Definitely similar character. So Uh, there's like a little bit of an inconsistent tone throughout. Okay. I mean, so and and they're odds with each other for most of the movie for me at least the first two acts where i was like oh that's humor here feels a little weird not a place played well like, ezra miller is funny and okay. I, I totally it's not that that part's bad it's just like it's the placement of it and how they use it that i didn't really particularly enjoy ezra miller also a very strong dramatic actor i know i've seen some people saying that that stuff didn't work for them but i especially towards the end of the movie i thought ezra miller did an amazing job really rounding that off. It does get pretty emotional towards the end. So he really rounded that off really well. Michael Keaton, perfect. Can't say anything about him. Apparently, say you know, not, he doesn't change a bit over the 30 years. feel like he's been in that role since. No, I mean, yeah, he. Roles, which is awesome. Like pretty much like riding the bike, I guess, for him. I don't know. I mean, he right. Yeah. Really, really. I mean, and yeah, like playing a different, like kind of older world weary version of it, but still got the. Right essentials of like what people love about him as batman and we could kind of talk about this when we get into like the box office and stuff i was seated other than my brother there were two other i won't say kids i mean i think they were like teenagers like next to us and when the movie got out and actually heard these kind of conversations a lot when we were leaving because for some reason it was a very slow walk out the theater i feel like everyone was kind of like thinking about like what they just watched (laughs) that's right but they were like they didn't really understand why it was a big deal that Michael Keaton was there. And you know what, if you're, if possibly if you're under the age of 35, you might not care at all. And I think that has as much as like that, they use that in the marketing a lot to hype it up. I don't think the younger casual moviegoer either knows or cares or knows or care, or like they can tell something's up with this guy. He's been maybe Batman and some other movies, but like, what does that really mean? Or what is he doing here? Yeah, definitely a big, I don't know if Bonnie's were to gamble, but he was very present in the marketing and I feel like that only targeted maybe half to a quarter percent of the audience yeah. for this movie. So like a lot of people are left in the dark about what Michael Keaton's doing there. Definitely at like the younger yeah. audience for sure, which I can only imagine is a, is a sizable portion of the target audience for this movie. However, like awesome to see him there. I can't wait to see him on screen. He's why I want to go see this movie. I, and I still do despite the scores in the low box. Yeah, I mean, office. I like, think, I, do I think the... you should still check it out. Yeah. I think you got to get your own like assessment of it. Also, Sasha, I think it's Cal or Calais, plays Supergirl. Right. Uh, she's amazing. They, the only problem is there's not enough of her in it. I um, heard this, yes. But she steals all her scenes. Like, she, it's very commanding, powerful, really, performance. It was really good. I I, I asked someone, like, is there a future for her in the DCU if they're going to reset and do all that? I don't know what they're going to do, or if they're going to keep her in the role right. or keep her around in some capacity. It'd be a shame to lose her, though. I think she was, I think it was like almost watching like the nice little like beginnings of what of a bigger thing that could be something great. And, I see. And she, yeah, she commands the screen every time she's on it. And well, you know, we'll see if they what they'll do with her. But I mean, she is, you know, other than 
even the people who are like kind of naysaying the movie now, like now that it's out, have given her like really glowing reviews too. So, I mean, hopefully Warner Brothers, DC Studios, they hear that and maybe, you know, right. find a way. To- I mean, if I'm them, I think they have a lot of mistakes that they are going <laughs> to be learning from from this movie. And if I think one of those being that looks like they need to distance themselves from this particular era of DC movies, especially where they, I think they shot themselves in the foot by green lighting and really going hard into this new dc universe that there's going to be going forward and expecting people to show up and care about this current about the dcu that something i guess did not pan out did not end up being a very good decision and i think i don't know how yet it's yet to be seen really the trajectory of this new universe that's going to be starting in the following years but this i guess with the multiverse if they decide to keep that sort of thing going that opens a lot of doors to bring back characters maybe that feature in this movie but I think they were best off starting from scratch and really putting this one in the rear view. Yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned it before when they announced the the DCU slate, the future slate. Right. I was like, well, I think that's going to confuse the casual movie or like, okay, what about all these other things that are we're waiting to see and come out? Are they pointless now? Like, do I need to see them? And I, there was a lot of mixed messaging before about how important, like, you know, at that point it was Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Flash, and now we have Blue Beetle left and uh aquaman aquaman right and james gunn recently said that blue beetle kind of kicks off this kind of dcu thing yeah i saw that but i kind of feel like that was a change in some things that was said earlier i mean i could be wrong whatever i mean it just seems like confused by that as well but you know it's going to be confusing to like the casual movie or i think and i think that's why we might be seeing even something as hyped up as this movie was why it's you know currently underperforming at the box office. I want to throw in one more thing that you probably heard already. Right. Some of the CGI is great. Some of it is fucking terrible. And I've it's, heard it's dog shit and, sometimes. And, it's like, and, and it's quality. Yeah, and it's almost glaringly obvious if you see it in IMAX. You're like, oh wow! Like so, the shots that do look good look really good. Right. And the ones that like are bad are really really bad so what do you make uh, of what the director any muschetti says about the intentional bad looking cgi do you have any theory do you think he's saving face do you think have i think that's a saving, that? i think that's saving face comment i think me. it's kind of yeah that like when i i didn't know the context i haven't seen i don't know exactly how bad it is but watch some videos of some youtubers i put my faith into and then hearing what the director had to say about it being intentional to try and make you see the world as barry is seeing it when he's you know going super yeah. fast i'm like Man, I just wouldn't have said anything about that. Just take it on the chin. Yeah, his like exact quote, I guess, was the idea. Of course, is we are in the perspective of the Flash. Everything is distorted in terms of lights and textures. We enter this water world, which is basically being in Barry's POV. It was part of the design, so if it looks a little weird to you, that was intended. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not right, convinced. You know I guess I'm not convinced either. But if that was his directorial choice, then like so yeah. be it. I guess. But, looks clunky and like unfinished it looks like we got like a test screening like version of the movie right. in certain shots and certain shots so it's hard to like put all the blame on andy as the director because this was not an easy movie to get off the ground i can't remember right. exactly the history of the production of this movie but i know it faced delays it did it not go through some, some reshoots and last so it, it had like I think this has been, has been in development since 2014. They had another director attached, another director attached to it. I forget his name right now, but he directed the movie Dope. He was attached to the movie, and then leftover creative differences, and then they got Andy. And uh, the, well, it's interesting too because when all the Ezra Miller stuff started, there were all these stories that Ezra Miller was even becoming difficult to work with on this. 
and then okay. they kind of and then they kind of diffuse those stories a little bit you know the director has been singing ezra miller's praises throughout this entire press run basically right. saying that they would even do another flash movie without without them so i mean uh i feel like there's some revisionist history a little bit about what kind of went on while this was being shot but yeah so it, had, it faced a lot of problems and so it wasn't easy and right. you know there's a lot of there were a lot of obstacles in the way which i guess so we can kind of get into now with talking about the film's absolutely opening weekend box office and wow and by the way this will not be just picking on the flash because we got another movie underperformed and it's not a good news it's not good news for disney yeah, this, is, this is not a very positive <laughs> news week for everything that we're going to cover pretty much got a negative spin to it so no, bear with us tonight yeah it's not you know i'm not trying to i've talked about it before i don't love shitting on any movie i even said that they were lowballing we both said they were lowballing the tracking that's that right. They had it at seventy million for the three day weekend, um, and even that did not yeah. make the bar. It did not. So I predicted ninety. I was way off. Yeah, <laughs> way I was right underneath it with eighty seven. Right, and I thought that was low, but and geez. what we have here is an opening lower than Black Adam, which is crazy to me because this because this had so yeah. much more hype. Three day opening of fifty five point one million. And if we're counting in the Juneteenth holiday day, it's estimated to be at sixty four million for the four day opening. That's from four thousand two hundred and thirty four theaters and below Warner's initial tracking of seventy to seventy five million. That was projected for the three days. Uh, even Oppenheimer's gotta be jealous of that bomb. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, is, so yeah. That's a big tag. Now, you know what's crazy? Like, back in the day, like, in the early days of, like, like X-Men, when that movie opened, it opened to, like, right. $50 million, and that was, like, a, oh, that's such a huge opening. And that, that was different in, like, 2000, right? I mean, right. Th yep. these movies are kind of coming back, and in the case of Marvel, they were just kind of starting. So that was, like, a good, like, level to start at, and now it's that crazy. That did not have the budget of The Flash. To yeah, it did not. Right? Yeah, we got a $200 million plus movie here, and the... I want to throw this in there too, because I because we always talk about how like international grosses could help it. It had a very muted opening overseas too. I think it was like a seventy-five million dollar, okay, uh, overseas opening. And based on predictions, some people think that it's going to have trouble grossing three hundred and fifty million dollars worldwide by the end of its run. And oh, this could man. be a and this could be a potential three hundred million dollar loss for Warner Brothers. Yeah. Okay, so I knew, like, I, I knew that this is the direction this movie was headed after seeing the three-day numbers, but I had yet to see a sort of like a figure attached to, if, to what they thought they were going to lose. So this is the first I'm hearing that, and you say three hundred million dollars. Million dollars. Yeah, that's what they're seeing. Jeez. Potentially seeing. Devastating. Now oh, it's wow. crazy. It's crazy that we're here because, like I said, remember Addison and McCon? Like some of those people that saw it early were like best superhero movie i've seen in years mm -hmm. it's the best superhero movie since the dark knight right uh, so what are these james people gunn, james gunn said that it was one of the best superhero movies he's ever seen the warner brothers discovery ceo kept i mean they kept hammering that home right, right. and i i think we've talked about how certain movies can become victim to pre-release hype right. and this was one of them i think because I think what people kind of fail to realize is that CinemaCon is also filled with people who are fans of this stuff. That's why they get invited. I yes. Mean, it's, it's not just normal press people who are there. It's, hey, like they've had a good relationship with like talking about DC movies or Marvel movies or whatever the right. studio might be. And 
they're encouraged to go because nine times out of 10, they're probably going to have something very positive to say about it. So all, a lot of those early reactions were, and I'm not saying everyone, because I think people who genuinely do love it, they did like it. I mean, I'm not taking that away from right. anyone that, that really loved it. I was just always like, be weary of, you know, the early reactions because they are coming from mostly fans. And then, um, right. and then Warner brothers, I think they kind of, kind of shot themselves in the foot by having all these early fan screenings. Cause again, if all people who were potentially fans of, you know, the character DC, whatever, yes. and that's where all that hype is coming from. Then you get regular people to see it or other professional critics that see it. Now I think the Rotten right. Tomato score is down to 67%. It's still fresh, but it's a low. 66 when I was seeing yeah, it. Six, oh, 66. Yeah. And the audience score I think was 85 the last time I looked. Um, on IMDb? Uh, no, or on, 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 uh, on to, yeah, okay. I think it's 85%. I don't have that in front of me, but... But, um, but I think what's also very telling is that this movie got a B cinema score, which means that regular people who have seen it just think it's okay and that it's good, but it's not great. A, right. B, cinema, a B cinema score for a movie like this is not good. A B cinema, a B cinema score for like a random horror movie, that's excellent. It's like, oh, hey. 100%. <laughs> like, in this context, oh, you're right. That's not going to flock people in droves to go see this massive budgeted huge tentpole dc yeah. action superhero movie not uh, for a beat i agree deadline thinks that there are a lot of issues here the one i just named was that hey like you know, regular people saw it and didn't really think it was the second coming of jesus when it came to right. <laughs> superhero movies they also okay. said because of a potential sag strike at the end of the month and the ongoing writer's strike a lot of actors aren't doing aren't available for press and especially now, if you have a movie that's opening in the June through July, they're not, if SAG decides to go on strike, they, the actors can't even go on shows and promote their projects. But that's part of like that is okay. part of the that's part of the agreement. So, Deadline was saying too, with the writers' strike, there's no late night TV on. So a lot of the times, people would you know would go on like Jimmy Kimmel and the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and promote their movie. And okay. the flat the Flash didn't have the benefit of this. And the extra layer of that is it really wouldn't have it totally because they weren't going to put Ezra Miller out there to have like a no. big press, press, press run on TV. The only like interviews that Ezra Miller did, they were with a couple of bloggers on the red carpet, really questions designed just about the movie. And that's all Ezra Miller did on the red carpet. Now right. Uh, Ezra Miller was, even if Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon all, and all had new episodes going right now, there's no way that Ezra Miller would be there. Michael Keaton did some like Q and A stuff at some fan screenings, but he's filming Beetlejuice two in London, so wasn't available for press. Sasha, who plays Supergirl, she did a lot of press herself, but she's not a big name, so it's you know good on her for promoting the movie. And I, I I follow her on Instagram now. She's very proud to like you know to be a part of it and the whole inclusion part of it too. You know, being Mm -hmm. an actress as well. Like there's like you know happy for her, and she's she did her best. And then they have of course the director out there promoting it, but. That's not the same as having like your stars promoted, you know, even the red carpet. I mean, Ben Affleck went to the red carpet premiere with Jennifer Lopez. He did some interviews like the blogger stuff, but again, it wasn't there. It wasn't like the normal press run either because not only can they not have Ezra Miller, but I doubt they want their talent to be put in a position to ask, be asked questions about Ezra Miller. (laughs) Right. So kind of like they kind of kneecapped themselves and how they could promote it just kind of thinking that maybe all this kind of fan hype that they're generating would be enough. Mm-hmm. Was going to be enough. I, and I don't look, I didn't love the movie. I did not. 
open this low. I don't think either one of us did. Definitely uh, not. No, I don't know if anybody really did. I, I wanted to ask you too, like just on top of all these things that you said, deadline thinks are issues with the movie, which wrong or right, there's definitely many factors that are playing into this, you know, performance, but do you in any way seem to think that there's anything else involved? Like I'm kind of getting at, like, do you think this is a symptom of like the worsening superhero fatigue at the theaters? Or do you think it's more of an Ezra problem? Do you think it's a combination of both? Like what, what are your thoughts as to, as to I think it's a combination of both. And I think, um, and I hate to say this for people who love DC. I don't think the DC titles have generated enough goodwill yet amongst moviegoers. And that I don't could think be that's why. a controversial thing to say at all. Yeah. That could be why they sometimes underperform a little bit. Uh, you know, even something like Man the Watch had a pretty good opening, you know, kind of tumbled after that, but it had a good opening. So, that, I mean, that means something like Marvel has enough goodwill to at least get people out there still. For now, and, yeah. And as, we, and as we saw with Guardians, even though that opening weekend wasn't like what we expected, it had legs and has, yep. and has, has performed really well since it opened. You know, it's now I think it's cleared like eight hundred million dollars worldwide. So that's a hit for Marvel. And you know, we only've had like you know, Wonder Woman was a good one, and people right. praised that, and rightfully so, it made money, and because it was good. I didn't love Aquaman, but that still made money. But it was released at the right time. It was released during the Christmas holiday. Jason Jason Momoa brought in a female audience that they hadn't seen across their movies yet. Which, he was on top uh, of the world when that movie came out, and that was able to clear a billion worldwide because of those factors. I read on The Flash, though. The Flash skewed, like, heavily male and very little. Like, like 70% more? Yeah, 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 and, like, barely got a female audience for this one. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really, I guess it doesn't really scream like something that women would go see, especially when the lead actor, I mean, what what they probably know about the lead actor, you know, is all the stuff they've read online. And, <laughs> right. and I mean, well, are you going to get, like, older women in because they can see Michael Keaton? I mean, they probably are familiar with Batman 89, but, like, you know, and yeah, you know, I mentioned we mentioned that earlier too. Like, I'm sure that got a lot of people my age and a little bit younger to go see it, the Michael Keaton factor. But I don't. Right. And this is not even a thing against his like uh, being a box office draw in this role. In this role, I think whatever money this made, he had a lot to do with it. I think I don't think he's a small part of it. I think he this 55.1 million dollars. A lot of that was people who were nostalgic for seeing him back as Batman, but right. it also isn't enough to initiate new people in the scene. Cause they're like, if you're a younger viewer, like we mentioned earlier, right. You, you even, have you seen Batman 89? Are you familiar with the first two movies he was in? I mean, amongst us, amongst art, like my generation, like even though Batman 89 and Batman returns are flawed movies, grew mm-hmm. up with them. He's a good Batman, no matter, no matter how you spin it. And, there's also this kind of like redemption thing a bit because, you know, after Batman Returns, like I think he kind of wanted another shot and he kind of saw where the direction they were going with Batman Forever and how it was going to be like a little mm. lighter and like a little bit more kid friendly and he didn't want to do it. And, you know, and rightfully so. He was done. He wants to work with Tim Burton and then Tim Burton wasn't going to be involved anymore after that. Right. So seeing him in this is almost is like a little bit of a redemption thing. Oh, you know, he gets like a final shot to play the character and still shows right. that he that he still got it and that. I think that did get some butts in the seats. I just don't think it was enough to get younger butts in the seats. Like 100%. And some people also mentioned a little brand confusion. I, I don't think this is a huge factor, but, you know, they have the Flash TV soap that just ended. It's run, it's run recently. 
and right. then you have and then you have the flash in the movies and like how is is that the same or is it not i mean that could confuse certain people i don't think that's a totally a big issue there um uh, i think another big issue too is that we only really got introduced to ezra miller's flash in the theatrical justice league and then zach snyder's justice league which is the long one that director's cut right i don't think it was enough to be like all right now i'm interested in seeing you go solo and it was honestly, such a huge movie with such big yeah, states. It's, a, it's such a huge movie with such a big state, but you can almost almost seems like they could tell that they knew it couldn't just be the Flash solo because this is why we have Michael Keaton's Batman. There's other cameos right. in the movie. I won't spoil. I've uh, heard of a few that were very yeah interested in how that got to it. I'll save that. But you know what it reminded me of, and not done as well. It reminded me of like with Spider-Man Homecoming, how they had Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. in that movie. And even though this was the solo Spider-Man project, but at least in that situation, it didn't look like he was overtaking it. He's only in a few scenes and oh yeah, 100%. that was it. It was more like an assist rather than, oh, we're yes. building a whole movie around, like you're not strong enough to like hold this movie up on your own. I never got that vibe watching Spider-Man Homecoming. But with this, it kind of felt like they didn't really have enough faith in that character to build interest and get people to see it to stick, yeah i think you're on uh, something there 100 percent too but i, I think uh, god I, I you're worried right if you're dc studios and warner brothers discovery are you are you how worried are uh, you that's kind of like a that's a well, like, fantastic question i don't know if they are worried because if they're just waiting to sweep the dceu under the rug because now all they got to get through is blue beetle and and Aquaman too. Neither of which I don't think are look. I mean, Blue Beetle I think probably has the edge over Aquaman too. I don't think Aquaman two is going to be poised to be a huge hit either. It's also going to have its own controversy with a very you know public enemy cast member and and Amber Heard. So that's a whole other thing it's going to be facing come November December whenever it comes out. But I think that like it's hard to this isn't a reflection on the new regime at DC right this isn't James Gunn's or David Saffron's no project so I'm wondering if, yeah I'm wondering if they're just like hey let's just get these out of the way whoever whatever however they go they go because the next one the next movies going forward aren't going to be related to this continuity so that's kind of I'd be curious obviously they want these movies to do well but I don't know what this is going to do for their bottom line if this is going to have any implications going forward that I guess remains to be seen but yeah. definitely not good that's for sure we can it's agree not on that. It's not good because even though this isn't James Gunn's, you know, DCU slate, you can right. tell that like internally they had some faith in the movie. I mean, I don't think they would have said what they said right. um, about, about its quality if they didn't believe it. So I think they were like, hey, this is a $200 million investment, but I think we can like make this work despite everything working against it. And honestly, by everything, it's, I mean, it's the Ezra Miller problem that's, it's it's tough when your star can't go out and promote the movie, right? And and then also your this your star, whether allegedly or not, has done a lot of stuff. Beginning in 2020, and I didn't realize it was like that until someone <laughs> actually were like Ezra Miller's problems began in 2020, right? And went over until like 2022 until you made until they made that, you know, that apology through Variety about getting help for their mental health issues, and so right. I kind of forgot that that saga was so long. <laughs> but and it, just like the nature of it was crazy. I mean, we'll be facing, they still got criminal charges, I think, to get through. So it was very, very much not, not typical sort of breakdown sort of behavior. Like this is something that was yeah. very controversial. And I mean, I think a lot of the details aren't even like that public yet. That'll probably come down the pipeline. But without a doubt, yeah. a ma major factor. And I think people not wanting to go support them. Yeah. More yeah, so yeah. than I anticipated. But I did, same here. And like, I know you asked earlier, 
because like I said it was a combo of those factors. That's a real right. thing is a big one. I mean, I've just seen casually online people saying they didn't want to see it because of them and right and listed valid reasons. I I I agree with like JC Mark with the movies. We talked about it a little bit offline. Yeah, you're judging the movie based on its own merits, not Ezra Miller's personal life. So like I'm exactly. not going to. I didn't go into that movie uh, quick to ju- judge him as a judge them as a person. It was like I'm judging the performance, and I gave them a glowing review because I thought that they were really good. And 100. Honestly, it makes their personal issues a little bit more kind of sad because as really has a ton of talent, and and hopefully, yeah, I encourage anyone if they are if Ezra Miller is legitimately battling mental health issues. I think that we should be rooting for them to get the help they need. And that should be, I mean, instead of making them public enemy number one, I, I mean, I know there's like an accountability thing and like a lot of yes. people think that Ezra Miller hasn't been held accountable for anything. And that's honestly, I think that's, I think Warner brothers handled this poorly from the beginning because they could have easily got out ahead of this and be like, we are aware of what they're dealing with. And we're like, maybe we're working to, together behind the scenes to get them the help they need. No, they but kept they us ign- silent. They <laughs> kept us ignoring it. Like, and that didn't help. So it just looked like Ezra Miller was getting a pass when, you know, you, you hear being compared to the Jonathan Majors thing a lot. And especially- Well, I was since, just thinking that myself, actually, oddly well, enough. And, and I think it's because in a lot of this too, I mean, that is, it's a strong case for a lot of people because a lot of people think one person has a little bit of white privilege and that's why they've been able to skate a bit and right. jonathan majors of course doesn't have that i think the situations are a little different actually a lot different a lot like, different but one, similarities one ezra miller doesn't have any projects lined up post the flash really right, okay, right this now. is news to me too i have so like so like it's not like it's not like ezra miller is like lining up work in the midst of like legal woes and right <laughs> Jonathan Majors is was well in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium in Creed 3 while this is all going on too. He is set to be a major part in future MCU movies as like their lead big bad. Right. And they and they have set this up in other projects. So that one's a little harder to be like, there's still time to be like, if they need to replace him, they can. Uh especially if, you know it turns out that that stuff is that's i mean that's still going on i mean they haven't really one way or another right. and like it and it's crazy because i was watching a commercial on it randomly came on tv it was for Cree 3 on like digital or it might be okay. on blu-ray now or it might be on blu-ray now too but they don't show they didn't show him at all in that commercial they just showed really? michael, b, michael b jordan tessa thompson kind of quick cuts of the fights but not really showing him so you can okay. kind of tell and how they're marketing things down there like let's wait and see what happens with this I think the situations are different, but I also don't totally disagree with what people are saying when it comes to those. It does kind of look bad sometimes when it seems like one person is getting a lot of grace when the other person isn't. I agree. It's an interesting conversation about how either situation is being handled in regards to like the studios and their star. One seems to kind of be like condemned right from the bat while the other one is kind of looked at as like a redemption story. Yeah. Uh, that's a conversation for another time. I guess we still got to kind of wait and see how those both turn out, but out. I think that's yeah. a great, a great segue into something else. Cause honestly, it, I don't know why this hadn't occurred to me yet. I guess I was waiting to talk about it here for, to really get spitball some ideas, but and you might have some more knowledge as to what projects and the amount of delays. I've only seen this news once, but we got a slew of delays in the Marvel and like Lucasfilm movies. And I'm wondering if, if do you have any thoughts as to if, 
that could be related to the Jonathan Majors case in the news because we have a lot of Marvel Phase Five and Six movies pushed back. Pushed back quite a bit. They kind of. I think. I think the more the funny part of this story too is also the Avatar delays and how and how far Avatar Five is on the release schedule, like twenty thirty one. I was like, I, I'll be yes. too old to care about what happens in that fifth movie. By the time I can't think of a, a franchise or any movies in particular have been planned this far ahead in advance. I don't even yeah. know that there's going to be steam by Avatar 4. Yeah, 2 made a bunch of money. It wasn't yeah. even, there was a lot of talk at the time that was coming out, was this really needed? 3, you might, wouldn't be surprised if an Avatar 3 comes out and we see a big decline, even if it's positively reviewed. And yeah. then this is, there's how many, 5 going to be planned? Maybe even more? Yeah. So I like, mean, that is crazy far in the future. They put up a really interesting question and I always, and they've done this with the first movie and they did it with Avatar 2. They were like, I don't understand how a movie can make as much as these movies that made globally. And if I was to ask a random person who saw it, name three characters in those movies, they're always like, I don't know. <laughs> and then someone, someone was like, oh, I'm tired of this argument. I was like, no, that's a pretty good argument though. I, I don't yeah. know how like each movie can clear $2 billion. And I can't think of anyone that I know that's like, can you name like three characters in that movie? And they'll be like, oh, I'm sure we know some people that can, but like, it's not, right. it seems like it's not part of the zeitgeist the way that it maybe should it be. It should be 100%. <laughs> you don't hear kids, you don't hear diehard fan bases of the Avatar movies. You don't see merch, like kids rock and Avatar stuff yeah. around, like posters everywhere. Like it really honestly feels like they come and go and they make a fuck ton of money and then no one talks about them until the next one. It's really yeah, it's weird how they mention it. It's true. They, I, my friend said like, they're starting to have like the Jurassic world problem where yeah. it's like, which, yeah. which, is actually, which is actually like not a bad one where they just they come in real quick make their money and go and then you yeah. kind of forget about you kind of forget about them after that that's exactly what they're like doing. it was like which is i mean i guess fine for the movie like let me come in here and make this coin real quick and leave <laughs> but, that seems right. like, but that seems like what the avatar movies do too i will they're mention lacking a cultural impact <laughs> yeah i'll mention them first and i have them first on the list but okay Sweet. Uh, uh avatar 3 has been pushed a year to 2025 they did Nothing date. The they did date two Star Wars movies for 2026, so a, a return to theaters for the Star Wars franchise. Okay, and, yeah. and, and then we'll see. And because of these other delays, Avatar Four will now hit theaters in December of 2029, followed by Avatar Five, like we mentioned, in December of 2031. Meaning each will now open three years later than previously announced. And then uh, Lucasfilm moved a 2025 Star Wars movie from December 2025 to May 22nd, 2026. And it says, though it is not known which feature this is, the Daisy Ridley fronted project is the furthest along in development and is likely to open on that date. So they think that is the one that, because okay. they, they, they're bringing Daisy Ridley back to the yes. franchise in the next one. And yeah, mm -hmm. I guess also Ta Taika Waititi might be working on one too. There's all like a whole lot going on with. Yes, yeah, so, and this is all on paper so far, but we know that Star Wars have movies at post- Skywalker saga have had trouble, you know, staying in the calendar. A lot of them have been canceled. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. That's why that's why everyone jokes is <laughs> like yeah. they they announce it and then like a year later they say, Oh, it's been delayed or canceled. Delayed or canceled. Uh, I can see these going the same way, but I, I can only imagine too a lot of the writer strike has something to do with these delays as well. But I think so. I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh in the case of Marvel, it might be a couple of things, but thanks. they said and they said Lucasfilm also added a new Star Wars feature for just five months later from the May 22nd, 2026 release date on December 18th, 2026. So that could be any one of the ones that are in development. The Marvel Studio ones are that they had a lot 
Avengers King Avengers King Dynasty was pushed back a year to May first, twenty twenty six, and of course we mentioned Jonathan Majors. I think that's a big part of why it might have gotten pushed back. I also think the writer's strike is an, another big example reason these are getting. You delayed. could call it though. You could call those reasons fifty fifty. Honestly, yeah, because we because <laughs> we we didn't talk about it on here. I think it was during a break or something like like in, in the week. But Thunderbolts got shut down because of the writer's strike because they started to pick it out where they were trying to shoot. Okay. Uh, same same thing happened with Blade. So it's the writer yes. strike is a big a big actor here, because of that pushback, the follow up Avengers Secret Wars is also pushed a year to May seventh, twenty twenty seven. I guess the good news is Deadpool three moved up to May third, twenty twenty four instead of November eighth, twenty twenty four. And then they said Marvel Studios also made a few small tweaks to its schedule. Captain America: Brave New World has moved back around three months to July twenty sixth, twenty twenty four. Thunderbolts has pushed five months to December twentieth, twenty twenty four. Blade likewise moved five months to February fourteenth, twenty twenty five. While Fantastic Four moved back three months to May second, twenty twenty five. And at the tail end of this little story here, originally this alien movie that is part of the new new alien film was going to go to Hulu, but it looks like it's getting a theatrical release on August 16th, 2024. Let's go. Fil- okay. From filmmaker Fetty Alvarez. Fetty so, Alvarez. That's yeah, right. So I, that's all the changes I, that are going on over there. I honestly, I didn't see anything about that alien movie in there for that big for the uh, big shuffle Shift. around there with the release dates. I I'm I love that Fede Alvarez is doing it. I'm this is the first I'm hearing that it's getting a theatrical release. I'm so happy. I love watching an alien movie in theaters, but I yeah. hate, 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 and I'm so worried that Disney is anywhere near that movie. Like I'm not I think that's gonna oh, be you think it's gonna... that movie. Yeah, I have my I can't get my hopes high enough as I'd like them to be because of that. Yeah. But I do like Fede Alvarez. I do I like do what too. he's done. and he's a you know violent, gory filmmaker, you know me and how much I love that yeah. stuff. As long as he doesn't have his wrist tied behind his back, because Disney wants to make a family-friendly alien movie, I, you know, I, I guess yet to be seen. But love that it's getting a theatrical release. That's that's huge. Yeah, I mean, this is Disney. The Marvel stuff can work twofold, right? If it's a writer strike problem, that I that's legitimate too. I also think some of it is like a saving grace because, like, like I said, the phase, the, the last one we were in, and, and the one that just started with Ant Man. It's been a mixed bag for some fans, so they might want to like kind of go to the drawing board to make sure that these projects that are like upcoming, but you know, not shot yet, that they can maybe like make sure they go through with a fine tooth comb and make sure those scripts are tight and the stories are good and and getting director's best vision for all these projects and make sure that they can refocus and recalibrate and kind of get back to that winning streak they kind of had, you know coming in, you know, as right. you know, Avengers as Avengers Endgame was kind of wrapping up that little section and of this, things. That winning streak is four years in the rearview mirror by now, yeah. right? Like, they have thought away from that in terms of, you know, how movie make, like, the mo- scheduling of movies. Like, four years is a long time in Hollywood. Yeah. And this is all on the heels of Kevin Feige and the other execs at Marvel, you know, saying that they're going to be, going forward, they're going to be focusing on quality over quantity. I still yeah. feel like this is a massive slate of movies to be constantly be working on it all one time i still think it's a lot on the plate but i think it is a blessing in disguise because they definitely need to be well, working on i agree I, and i think that night like, as a whole has a lot to think about because you know like i remember when pixar was like a surefire thing for them mm, right. and uh, you know like we elemental opened over the weekend too it wasn't the only like <laughs> flop this week flop this weekend so you're in good company flash 
that opened to a three-day opening of 29.5 million and 33.3 over the four days. That's okay. the lowest. That's the lowest opening I think for a Pixar movie thus far. Even going back all the way to something like Toy Story, like right. '95. You know, they they did a similar thing with Indiana Jones: The Dial of Destiny, and we didn't talk about this in the show, but we talked about it outside the show. Both of those movies premiered at Cannes Film Festival, Indiana Jones and Elemental, and they came out of that festival with really not great reviews. The initial reviews were really poor. Now, Elemental rebounded before it opened and was okay. able, to get, able to get fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but that was the lead story a few weeks before the movie opened, where the right. initial bad reviews. So I don't think that helps anything. I don't think that's going to help. I think we're going to have another, like, on June 30th, we're going to talk about how that Indiana Jones underperformed yes. too. I don't, I don't want to, I mean, I love Harrison Ford and this like victory lap, like playing that character again, but they platformed it way wrong. I don't know why they were like this, the Cannes Film Festival seems like the perfect place to launch it. And oh, man, there's so much to talk about that movie. I, I will be one yeah. that I'm going to make sure that we see before we record. So we're just on the same page about, yeah. see about what we're talking about, but that is going to be, that could be a whole episode. <laughs> yeah, movie. I agree. I think the problem with Elemental and Pixar is this started with the pandemic, right? Because like when Onward came out, it was right before everything shut down. So they had to go release that to like Disney Plus and, you know, theaters were closed. But then there Mm -hmm. were subsequent releases that they had that they sent straight to Disney Plus and didn't give it a theatrical run, even though at that time they could have. And I think, yes, you want people to support your original movies. But when you start sending your original movies to your streaming service, when you finally release an original movie again in theaters, it's not going to have the same shine on it as it once did. You know, this won't happen to like, and I know they're making like a Zootopia 2 and another Toy Story, another Frozen, all that stuff. Like those names are going to make money because they're, it's a built-in brand IP already. Right. These Pixar original movies need more, or any Disney original movie, they need more, I guess, I would feel like more support behind them rather than making it seem like, oh, like I wonder like, once you start sending your stuff to the streaming service, like people are going to get smart and be like, well, maybe I can just wait for that one too. Uh, and well, I, I feel think like that- that's a sign that they're not confident in the movie too. I mean, that's what we say when they're, when uh, like a live action movie is pushed to streaming over theatrical, right? Yeah. Like the same can be said about Pixar animated movie. I don't know why I, that would I think the, be. I, yeah, I think, you know, that could be, or may well be, be the case. And, you know, we, and we, it's funny because we are in an industry now where it's like, Support original ideas, like please support right. original projects. There was someone that was so mad, I forgot to pull his name off Twitter, but he ranted about how this movie didn't open well. And he was like, I'm so sick of people saying that there aren't any original movies out there. And then when mm-hmm. we get one, you guys don't support them. Uh, I understand that frustration because, like, yeah, Elemental is an original idea. It's not right based on a previous like IP or anything. And yeah, people didn't show up. And I also think that's Disney's fault too for kind of lowering their brand by sending recently good movies to their streaming service. It wasn't like those animated movies. Like I liked turning red when I finally saw it at home. I was like, that probably, okay, yeah. done, I was like, that could have done well in theaters if they actually gave it a shot. Uh, I didn't, I think they kind of did this to themselves a little bit. Now it just seems like, Hey, there's no real rush now, unless, you know, unless it's like a toy story five or a Zootopia two, right? Something that's like, very you know, established. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, they're, they're probably, you know, the Warner brothers is having their own panic attack about the flash and Disney having their own panic attack about uh Disney is a studio in decline i don't remember the last decision they made that i thought was genuinely intelligent and <laughs> this is just one of yeah. many that it does not and i'm not right yeah. and i'm not going to call the little mermaid a flop because it's not it's made 255 million dollars domestically so far okay. but 
this could have been a three hundred million dollar earner, probably. Certainly, yeah. And I'm sure, there, and there are other factors working against it. There are one hundred percent. The big one being a lot of racist naysayers that are trying to boycott the movie. So yeah. again, it has a lot working against it. But like even that for them, like you know, that should have been probably a bigger earner worldwide. It's not going to get you know, it's not going to get the support it needs in like China or anywhere like that. So like they're losing a big portion of that market too. By the way, I'm not saying like. Disney's like, don't cry for me, Argentina. They'll be fine. <laughs> but, yes, of course. But, you know, even like a big, you know, corporation brand like them, they also make really weird fumbles and mistakes. Uh, More often, and, it seems, lately than ever before. Like, they're in, a, I don't, yeah. I think that they, they, and I mean, there's probably part of a broader discussion. I would have some more research to do, but I feel like they would be very well off to kind of clean house, kind of revamp and make some decisions like creatively, get some people in different positions over there because the way things are going, they're losing money. Over the last couple of years, they've lost billions on some of these moves yep. and these decisions. And then they, and they, factors, and they, and yeah. they casually laid off people and then we're yeah. like, hey, we're laying off all these employees, but hey, we have all these new movies coming out. Pay attention to that. Well, <laughs> I feel like they're, they're because, of, because of some of their flops, they're, they're kind of have to lay some yeah. off and then maybe on a hiring spree if they make some more cash, but their next couple movies coming out aren't at any good position either. Like we have Dial of Destiny, which is already being lauded by critics and audiences alike weeks, months in advance of its release. It's, yeah. already, it's not even fresh. Uh, like Also, I think studios... Figure out a way to like keep your budgets in check. I mean, I'm looking. Point. I'm looking. I'm looking at something like Across the Spider Verse. I had no idea, and I was pleasantly surprised that only cost a hundred million dollars to make. So you can make that something that you can make something that fucking beautiful, and it can yes. look great. And you right. know what? And they are reaping the reward because it's already outgrossed the first movie by a ton already. Like days ago, yeah, exactly. days ago, and it's still holding it's up. Well. You know, it's grossed $285 million so far domestically. It's holding up really well still. Even in the wake of something like The Flash and Elemental coming out, it still was able to clear $32.4 million in four days this weekend. So, like, there, you know, you can make a really good movie like that and not spend a small fortune on it. That's um, right. Impressive. And it like, looks incredible. They lauded that budget, put a lot of the money in the right places for that movie because that was one that we hadn't discussed. We both have seen now. and uh, Right. Thought it was absolutely fantastic. Did everything right, honestly. Very few complaints for that movie. And lessons yeah. to be learned from a movie like that, honestly, that Disney could really be looking at and being like, whoa, something's got to change here. Yeah, I mean, so Disney put in good work with the Marvel <laughs> people with all delays and make sure that the scripts are tight. You're going to continue to, I guess you're going to continue to release Avatar movies until we die. So like, good luck uh, with 100%. that. 100%. <laughs> yep. And I... I'm stoked that you're giving Alien a theatrical release and not just sitting and streaming. I I'm do very happy I, with them for I, that. Yeah, just let our boy Fetty just go go full Fetty Alvarez and leave him alone. Um, yes, but, but yeah, I can't yeah. wait till we get some footage for that movie. Finally, I don't know where they're at in the process of making it, like production wise, but very very excited because it's been six years now since our last Alien outing, and that's a franchise yeah. that we both hold near and dear to our hearts. So very excited. And, and it's if not because like consciously. They still think that franchise is viable because I would like think like after Alien Covenant like kind of underperformed that they'd be like oh well you know let's not go to that well again but they do go back to right. it and I guess I, I'm guessing like someone like Freddie Alvarez maybe pitches them on like a really dope idea to like kind of make it relevant again and keep it going right. and and that's why it's interesting too I always feel like, it's funny because they have, have versus movies with each other I feel like <laughs> Predator is that way too where right it was totally. like all right that that ship has sailed but then they keep trying to like 
find yeah. a way to bring it back in some capacity. And they, they ended up doing that decently with Prey while not really promoting it so much like a Predator movie and then just having that be in the DNA. And that ended up working 100%. well for that. Uh, yeah, I think, a little surprise. Yeah, I think it's like funny that both of those franchises are like, there's no giving up on either one of nope. them. Nope. They continue to be all right, even at the caliber that Prey was. I'll be happy. I hope I like this new Alien movie as much as I liked Prey because yeah, I was I like, went into it cautiously optimistic, liked it a lot more than I thought. It's not perfect by any means, but I mean, it's a good Predator movie. But yeah, no, there's lots still that remains to be seen with this yeah. Alien movie. But I, I really wish Ridley would come back and just finish that prequel trilogy that he is two thirds done making. But yeah. Right, Covenant you know, nice. wasn't received amazingly at the time. I have a soft spot for that movie. It's like one of my favorites. Yeah. But uh, I guess I don't blame him. He's he's still a busy guy. So yeah, all good. Yeah. I mean, well, at least he's still work. At least he's still working too. I mean, yeah, exactly. Dude, it's like ancient and still cranking out movies. Honestly, <laughs> that, that thought crossed my mind with like James Cameron, like making these movies into the 2030s. Like he's not uh, not exactly spring. Uh, spring he's not, he's not really his yeah. age, but he's like probably a decade, decade and a half younger. Like. And Ridley's in his 80s, so did you see what uh Zoe Zaldana said? She was uh-huh. like, she put it on Twitter. She was like, I was 27 when I did the first Avatar movie, I'll be 53 when Avatar 5 comes out. She's like, what? That's how long she's this has been like, oh like a whole part God. of her life, yeah. So I was like, damn, because everyone was everyone was kind of doing that online. They were like, dude, I'll be how old when that comes out? Like, oh, no. <laughs> that is just so, insane to think about. Yeah, it's crazy. That, yeah, but yeah, she was like, I was 27 years old when I did the first one, and I'll be 53 when Avatar 5 comes out. That's that crazy. puts things in a cool, that's a, yeah, that puts things in a really crazy perspective. Holy smokes. Yeah. Well, I mean, since we've been talking about superheroes and superhero fatigue, should we uh, talk about that new uh, comic book movie trailer that we watched? Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Might as well just get it out of the way. Um, I'll let you start off, though. So we got a Craven and the Hunter trailer drop today, well, Monday as of recording. Yes. Uh, what did you think about it? I didn't even know that we were this close to a trailer. I, kind of, I knew this movie's been in development for a while, but didn't realize how far along they actually were. It's got an October yeah. release date for this year, right? Yeah, like, kind of, yeah kind October of 6th, there. which was the... Right. Was, which was a sweet spot for that first Venom movie. It opened around then and did really well when it opened right. week in October. So I mentioned Venom because, of course, this is it's a Marvel movie, but it's a Sony Marvel. They right. call it their their Sony Spider Man universe or whatever because mm-hmm. they have the right they have the rights to. Of course, they share the rights to Spider Man with a very, very sweetheart mm-hmm. deal with with Marvel Studios. Totally. But then they but then they have the full rights through all these like cavalcade of spider-man characters that they just want to use which is why we're getting like that madam web movie eventually with dakota johnson and sydney sweeney right. uh, which is why we got those first two venom movies which is why we got Mor- morbius uh, so, so, uh, uh, why, and why we're getting craven the hunter uh i was you know i collected comic books back in the day this character is a really good character i agree and, with you there and, and could fascinating character could be real like there's like comic book art story called Craven's Last Hunt in the Spider-Man comic books are, is such a good uh, story. And he's a really interesting character too, because he's like villain, but like also, you know, there's a lot going on there. There's a little bit deeper than uh, just a typical, right. like, you know, you know, world domination. He's not that type. Which but, I like. Doesn't look like this movie's yeah. going to have sky beams in it. So right, exactly. For that. He's, he's more complex, uh, which is okay. interesting. Uh, this is their first R-rated movie. A lot of people are like really were upset that Venom wasn't R-rated because especially Venom Let There Be Carnage probably should have been R-rated. Talk about taking the legs uh, of the movie with those ones, not making uh, them R-rated. So they wised up and made Craven the Hunter R-rated and they, the trailer I watched was a Red Band trailer. There was a ton of violence in it. I mean, that was... Yeah, I must have seen the same one. That was, that was cool. Praise them for that. 
Yeah, I thought. Yeah, was, different. I'm glad they're leaning into that. The level of violence looks really fun. I like yes, Aaron Taylor Johnson, so like I like him as an actor. So hopefully, I can't really tell yet from the trailer like how good he's gonna be. I found myself thinking the same thing. I go so far as to say I love Aaron Taylor Johnson. His name's yeah. a mouthful, but he's a fantastic actor. And there were moments, not throughout the whole trailer, but there were moments where I thought, okay, like that line was delivered kind of flat. Like, Fuck, yeah, yeah. Enthusiasm. And yeah. I would say, like, this was almost a 50 50 trailer for me. Like, 50% of it I liked, 50% of it I didn't like. So I'm really not sure. And on paper, this is a movie I would want to get made. Like, this is an obscure enough, I mean, in the comics, not obscure, but like in terms of film, we've yeah. never seen it. Craven. Actually, I think he's got a cameo in the across the Spider Verse and like the background somewhere, like in the yeah. They, u- they used him on the back in the nineties. They used the character. Oh, the, did they? The animated show. Yeah, I didn't know that. And that's and that's when like the animated shows were somehow doing these a little bit better than like the live action stuff. Uh, right. So, but it, yeah, first time live action. Right. That's a yeah. character I'd want to see brought to life. So, like, I'm interested in this movie, and definitely on paper, I was like, okay, I like this. Uh, Sony's got a hit or miss kind of record with their Spider Verse so far, but. The fact they're so, listening, making I, it rated. I said, uh, when I posted the trailer, I said it was a mix, that Sony's universe, Spider-Man universe movies have been a mixed bag. Yeah. I didn't love Venom. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I'm the like, same like boat. It, I never saw like, Venom 2. Like, like, it was entertaining in the moment, but yeah. that ca- that character is so much better than what they did with him in the movie. thousand percent. And I, and I also liked... And I also like Tom Hardy, who, yeah, Tom Hardy was 100% committed and I respected that and thought that was, he was, he was good. Venom Let There Be Carnage, kind of like more of the same. It was entertaining in the moment, but still like not as good as it could have been. And, and again, Carnage, a very fun, cool character from the comic books that you should have gone dark with because it's a serial killer. I mean, like you could have like really done really cool, dark things with that character, but no, PG-13, those first two. They gave Woody Harrelson red hair. Yes, uh, Morbius is is, is is gutter trash. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna try to I hide see, it. <laughs> well, I haven't seen either. I haven't seen Venom two or Morbius, and like on paper, I feel like Morbius seems like the better movie. Like from what I heard and saw about the three characters, I'm like that looks horrible. Morbius, I mean, I can't say anything different, but I don't know. I look at them as honestly on par with each other. Having not seen them, that doesn't mean anything. But yeah, no, there's no secret that Morbius is you know, in the, the dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> guys, guys, if you ever want to hear Owen's Morbius rant, just go back yeah. to some episodes and listen yeah, to it. It was like, it was like he was seething and holding in like all the bad will he'd had towards that movie when we saw it together yeah. and just waited to like word vomit on the just, entire episode. Just and let it out. Like, yeah. Let it out, man. I mean, I agreed with him. It wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. You could tell that they cut that movie to shit. It was, oh, man. So that's what I'm like. Twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If once wasn't enough, they're like, "Hey, I'm seeing all this internet chatter." I was like, "They were doing it ironically. They were making fun of it, and you guys like right. it. And you re-released it based on that." Uh, just for stupid. to do tank again. I, this is a funny example. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that happen before. Yeah. So that's why I'm kind of like on the fence about Craven the Hunter. I mean, I yes. Like, I mean, in addition to Aaron Taylor Johnson, you got Ariana DeBose who won an Oscar for West Side Story. She's in it. Russell Crowe continuing his like weird accent streak. What is <laughs> going on? I, I mean, Pope's Exorcist, Thor, Love and Thunder, and now this. He has been like rocking like some really funky accents. I think that's just like he's on his accent world tour now. I guess, I guess. I'm like, <laughs> granted, like his assuming it's Russian because the character like Raven is Russian in the comics, but I'm like, it's not a bad accent. He's doing better than like some other American, or he's not even American, is he? He's Australian. Australian, yes, yeah. Yeah. He's done. He, 
his accent work is better than other people I've seen adopt the Russian accent. But I'm like, why? Why are you a? Why are you in this? You just did Thor: Love and Thunder. I know this isn't an MCU the movie. Same. Like, yeah, yeah. Why are you going back to this? And why are you playing a Russian character? Just weird casting to me. I love Russell Crowe to death. Don't get me wrong, but weird that he's in this in that role. Do you ever look at certain people like him? Like, yo, you have an Oscar. Like, what happened? And like, he was like, top he has of the a, world in the 2000s. A, like, was, I, I was yeah. trying to think of like the last viable thing he did where I was like, oh, that was, he was really good. In that or like, hmm. I can't remember. It's a while. Uh, I mean, I like him in the nice guys, but that's not exactly an example of something. Yeah. Say Russell Crowe was amazing, and it's just a good movie, and he's funny in it. But yeah, no, it'd be 2010s at least, if not before I guess, that. But I mean, I, I mean, there has to be something after American Gangster, right? Because that's the last, the last that's, thing I'm thinking. That's, of. that's right. Yeah, yeah like, that's 2007. There has to be something. There's else. gotta be something, and it's right, nothing gonna, I'm thinking of. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, talk, we're gonna talk through this while I look up uh, his filmography yeah. real quick. But um, that but, guy, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Wasn't unhinged. Oh yeah, I did like that though. I thought it was kind of. It was. I uh, see, it was fine it in like the moment. Poor man's falling down, which just seems like oh, a better yeah, movie. Kind <laughs> of the same story. Falling, falling down was definitely better for sure. I did Les Miserables in 2012. Okay, and was he not not uh, nominated? I don't know. I can't remember if he was or not. I know he got he got butchered by a lot of. Critics, I know so. my mom. My mom always says she can't stand him in that because he can't sing and says that he's yeah. a terrible singer. That's all he I can think about. Man of Steel in 2013. Right. Yeah. And he movie Noah in 2014. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, this the last few years. Not been kind to him. Had not been kind, but. Dude, like in the late '90s, early 2000s, LA Confidential, The Insider, Gladiator, A Beautiful Mind, Beautiful Master Mind, back to back best picture winner. Yeah, he was the lead. Master, Master and Commander, Cinderella Man, Three Ten and You Hate that too. That's it a seems awesome like, streak. Yeah, and then like I don't know what happened, man. He was the most popular actor in the world during that time, and he was an Oscar winner, back to back best picture winners. He was the lead in, like, yeah. and it just went kind of downhill, but. I mean, it could anyway. be that he's he's doing these movies because he wants to have fun. Like, I mean, they asked Harrison Ford why he is going to be in that next Captain America movie, and he's like, um, I, yeah. he's like, they, he they, he said like, I'm watching all of my contemporaries who are like my age pop up in these things, and it seems like they're having fun doing them. And he's like, and I kind of wanted to see if I could do that, which is like, it's cool. I mean, if you're at that point in your career where you're like, you can do that, yeah, that's perfectly fine. I um, mean, yeah, per- paycheck must help too. But like, I think of yeah. people like Ian McKellen who like have had terrible experiences like working on like movies of this caliber and yeah. say that it's you know and uh, who else just said recently that working on this actor worked on like a marvel movie or something and called it like said it wasn't real acting oh, you know what anthony, about? anthony hopkins, anthony hopkins yes doing thor doing thor yes and he was like talking about acting with around all the green screen and all that and right yeah. so uh, i find it really interesting harrison like playing the, the, the ross in the upcoming because he didn't have a doesn't seem like he had a great experience like working with disney in the in uh uh the, 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 the 2017 star wars star wars yeah it seemed like he only was like it only seemed like he was excited to go back for force awakens because he was like all right you're killing me off cool all right right then exactly we're yeah. <laughs> then we're, we're done yeah it's pretty interesting like by the way actors of that caliber can be in these movies and elevate them i mean we saw we even see that even in like the early 2000s like comic movies like you look at well, yeah, when we covered X2, there's like a ton of prestige True. actors in that that elevate that material, like Ian McKellen, Patrick True. Stewart, Brian, Brian Cox. Like, so I mean, it's possible when they're good that you want to be a part of them. I mean, I get that, but Fair. something something like Craven the Hunter doesn't scream like Russell Crowe, you should be a part of this. 
<laughs> right. I guess it's kind of in line with like where his career is at in the last few years, though. Like I yeah. can see why he maybe would go for something like this, but just yeah, just very interesting. But well, the cast is definitely that. There's things to like about the Craven trailer. Don't get me wrong, but overall, I would say um, I I can't really say I lean one way or the other yet. I like that the trailer was like R-rated. There was, like, a, there was a bear. There's a bear trap in the face. I was like, that whoa, looked, that looks awesome. Okay, yeah, that looks. There's a lot of violence there's lots of cool violence in it that looks. I mean, at least they're going all out. And the poster that they released for it is actually a pretty cool poster. It kind of like it's like it's inspired by one of the more classic images of Craven the Hunter mm. from the comic books. Yeah, uh, I, saw, no, exactly. I saw a lot of people who didn't love the trailer on Twitter saying like trailer was trash, but love the poster. So you know, <laughs> yeah. you, either you're winning one of them, I guess. Uh, but we'll find out when that movie opens on October 6th, getting it sooner, a lot sooner than I thought we were. But yeah, a lot sooner. I would have thought maybe this was the next year kind of thing, but yeah, I'm, ca- I'm cautiously, I'm cautiously optimistic. Okay, I'll say that. I'll say that. I'm cautiously thinking. I don't think. It, I don't think. Like people, people calling it. It looks like a dumpster fire online. I don't think it looks like a dumpster fire. I don't I don't think no, I don't think it's that bad. But there's yeah, definitely um, things to be weary about in this movie. Oh God, no doubt. Uh, I was like reading someone that posted like, "Want to get over superhero fatigue?" Well, here's a new trailer for Craven the Hunter. <laughs> like, because because a lot of a lot of trades were running stories like that today because of the Flash, and then they're like, "Oh, well, oh okay, here's this." uh New superhero movie trailer. Uh, there's also, like t- yeah, a lot of people are kind of upset that Sony keeps turning like their like villains kind of into like anti-heroes like they did with Venom. And I've seen that. this complaint as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a valid. It's valid. They're like, why don't you just let them be bad guys? And they and they say you can do that and it works. They did it with Joker. And they gave Joker a standalone movie. They didn't. I mean, they tried to make you. Of course, it was more psychological. And there's like you feel yes. reasons that he goes to where he goes but still yeah. a villain at the end of the day in that they don't try to really redeem him uh, nope. in any meaningful way so he you just can't make worse as the movie goes, movie goes. yeah so yeah. you can make a movie about a villain and have it work and make money by the way too speaking of, speaking of that though I, this does not feel like it's connected in any way to this spider-verse does it like there's literally no mention of spider-man no glimmer at least that i caught only watched there were there were some sh- there was i don't know if it's like they did it on purpose there was a shot of like spiders coming down spiders at coming one point. Down, like, the jungle but like i don't uh, know what that has to do with like our spider-man but and then i think sony released something when they released a trailer that said that the movie takes place before his long-standing vendetta against spider-man so i guess right this is kind of like there i don't think i mean maybe they'll Put up surprise thing in there at the end and mention it. Then well, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Of. Like you think like this movie first of all has to do well to really probably get a sequel where they're going to probably tie it into us into the more into the Spider-Man movie. Don't you think it'd make a little bit sense to maybe like try and tie it in while you have the shot too? Because if this movie tanks, it's unlikely yeah. we're not getting a Morbius too. We know that, and if this movie is any near that, we're not going to get a Craven too. So I feel like this would be the shot to tie it yeah, in a little bit but do it and sony, it I mean, sony and sony is and marvel are moving ahead well they were having meetings about spider-man 4 before the writer strike so they're, that's still in play not getting tom holland yeah well well tom holland tom holland said he had the meetings and they were encouraging because like his thing was like if we can't make it as good as no way home or make it make sense that we want to continue this story after mm. that wrapped up so nicely that it would be hard for him to want to do it, but he still wants to play Spider-Man. He says he said he wouldn't sure mind he it, but right. he also wants it to make sense. And mm-hmm. I, I don't blame him coming off of that. That movie was really strong, and I I love the ending of No Way Home. Yeah, like, it was it was it was, it was, it was pretty. It's it also it was also kind of sad too because I mean everybody forgot about him, yes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but he yeah he said he had meetings about it, and they the idea that was pitched was a good idea, but like they had to kind of stop those meetings because of the writer strike. But right. 
confident based on those meetings that maybe they can work something out. But yeah, okay. Sony, yeah, Sony's got. I know they want to interconnect him more. Especially right. they tried to, really did with Venom. Let there be Carnage. There's a whole they show him on like a TV screen and stuff like that too. So Tom Holland is in there. At least that okay. Spider-Man is in that universe. I see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I used to think for Warner Brothers, Sony used to be the hot mess studio. So good job, Warner Brothers, taking <laughs> taking that taking that shine away from Sony Pictures. <laughs> and on that note, a great another segue into a whole other segment that we want to talk about with Warner Brothers, uh, our boy Chris Nolan. Um, they're well, fighting, I, I guess. What's that now? Well, oh uh, yeah, I mean, they were they famously kind of fought. Uh, you know, like to kind of put it in perspective, uh, Mr. Nolan's home studio wise was Warner Brothers since For 2002. Years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he began his uh, very long standing relationship with them with Insomnia in 2002 and then gave them a slew of box office hits uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, The Prestige, Inception, Interstellar, Dunkirk. Uh, and then Tenet, of course, was delayed a lot because of COVID. Like there was a lot going on with that. Yes. And he also did not love their day and date business model to release their movies theatrically and on the HBO Max streaming service. They did love not do that for fighting not, for that, yeah, by the way. They did not do that with Tenet because uh, he wasn't going to allow it. Uh, but he still publicly denounced what they did and, uh, you know, kind of cut off his relationship with them. And then his next project, he was like, he was the source of a huge bidding war from a lot of studios that wanted to work mm. with him on his next thing. And Universal, of course, got him for Oppenheimer, which is good for them. Snag of the yeah, century. Yeah, snag, snag of the century. But apparently, uh, when that happened with Tenet, Warner Brothers was under a different regime then. There's new people there now. Uh, and they think that there's a possibility they can get back and it seems like they were doing some good faith things in there to kind of see if they can get him back uh, you know what this makes me think of <laughs> i have the image like warner brothers is the studio like underneath like the ex-girlfriend's window with the boom box and the ring oh, yeah, like yeah, come back to me like take me back like take yeah that's exactly what it feels like so their their version of the say anything moment uh, michael deluca and pam uh, abdi they share the ceo tie warner brothers film group and they address nolan's departure from the studio for universal after the release of tenet and uh, they actually said that in the last eight months that Nolan received a seven-figure royalty check from Warner Brothers uh, that was tied to the 2020 film Tenet and that no strings were attached to the money transfer. And the other interesting tidbit is that Nolan has allegedly been doing post-production work for Oppenheimer on the Warner Brothers line. Yes. What do you think of that as a Paramount exact? Like, I don't know if it's some sort of like... If you're at Universal, if you're like, why are you doing it over there? I mean, I guess like... If right. you're, I guess like the thing is with Universal, it wasn't like a multi-picture deal. So I mean, there's nothing they can really do. Like, I mean, case of like Warner Brothers, they had him for a while. Yeah, and, and uh, I think it's a sign of faith that he I, he's aware that there are different people in charge now. And right, I'm sure that seven-figure royalty check didn't hurt either. I'm sure it didn't. No, because <laughs> you know, because Tenet because Tenet lost money, and uh, but not any fault of Nolan's. I mean, it was, no, re it was released not. during, released during the pandemic and their theaters weren't even open 100%. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of black, bad blood when they kept delaying it over and over again. And when they kind of gave the impression that like, maybe we can do something else with it instead of a theatrical release. I, there, there are probably way more, uh, arguments mm -hmm. going on behind the scenes there between Nolan mm -hmm. and Warner brothers than probably sure. even know. Um, but now, I mean, like things have changed and there's new people in charge. So, you know, if he ever he decides to make his next movie, who knows? Who knows? He probably had maybe he had like a working relationship with Universal and wants to work with them again. 
that's what I'm wondering. I think we're kind of the wait and see when it comes out, see if maybe he's not harboring any sort of like thoughts until after the movie is done in theatrical run that might shed some insight on his working relationship with Universal. As as of now, it seems like hasn't really publicly said anything that indicate that he wouldn't go back. So I really don't have an opinion as to if I think he'll go back to Warner or not. I don't think that's the question to ask yet, but definitely I'm not surprised that Warner wants him back. I'm sure they're going to be very much missing him come July 21st, especially competing with him at the box office. That's what you want to do. Burke, Burke, JC made a good comment. They're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess that's a sign of good faith. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but right. it's not a good sign of faith when you release like your Warner Brothers movie <laughs> against his Universal movie. And no. you know what? Your Warner Brothers movie will likely win that weekend. I mean, I mean, it's close to, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Box office tracking has it uh, putting a little ahead of it. Uh, you know, still got a long ways, not even a long way to go. I guess almost a month, a little over a month yeah. before the yeah. movie comes out. So there's that. I mean, it's not really a sign of good faith to like compete, but I can actually see if he had good talk. I can see him going back to work. I mean, it was his home for 20 years. So like True. he had a, had a good relationship with them up until the in it debacle. So I mean, I can, especially if those new people are like, I, I especially, you know, those new CEOs probably like, will probably want to do anything to get someone, a director like that yes. back in their fold. Like, you know, when you're that a studio, good for them. When you're a studio, you want your Nolan, you want your Tarantino, you want your Fincher, yes. you want those, you want those names. Uh, so it was a kind of a huge loss to like lose him to Universal. Yeah, game for them. Huge you know, fumble. Game for them, especially if he can make a movie like this that's three plus hours about not something that is like really like electrifying, like movie going, <laughs> like content. Mm. If he can make that make money, then guy can do anything. I think a hundred percent. I think at this point, I mean, like Nolan is God. So yeah. Um, but yeah, we shall see. Yeah. You know, I think it depends. I also think it depends on like what happens after this movie opens, you know, how well it does. If universal yes. will immediately start talking about, you know, well, whatever your next thing is like, we'd love to do that with you. Like, you know, probably a lot of play. I have a wait and see. That's exactly how I feel about it as well. Yeah. hundred percent. We'll have to um, wait and see. Another kind of wait and see thing uh, kind of involving yeah that involves his movie and IMAX screens and mm. this is all kind of this is all kind of a legend but all the trades have picked it up uh, okay uh, Tom Cruise uh, by the way I'm gonna mention this now before we actually start recording the first uh, reactions to an impossible debt reckoning part one started hitting yes. social media because it had its uh, premiere in Rome. Apparently, one of the best action films ever made. I know <laughs> we opened the episode talking about pre-release hype, right? And, but somehow, I think with these movies, it depends on the movie where it's like it feels framed differently. Yes, and, and I feel like there's a lot more credibility to a movie like this and that sort of comment. Yeah, it's getting glowing, glowing reviews so far, which makes yes. me very. I actually uh, am seeing it next Tuesday, so uh, Ooh, I'm excited. Lucky I'm excited. you, that is exciting as hell. On, on the Paramount lot, too. I didn't realize where the invitation was, like, on the Paramount Picture Studio lot. So that'll be uh, really wow. fun to, to do. Hell so yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, it's two and a half that. hours, but apparently it's a breezy two and a half hours. They said it just moves. Uh, you, made a, you made a good point about um, when we got that last trailer and you said it felt like it was showing a little too much. Uh, okay. and, and, you, and you made the comment, I think, about how the train thing seems like it might be like part of the climax. Apparently yeah. it is. Apparently it is part of the climax. Yeah. They, mes- they mentioned it today. Uh, they said it's very, like, very uh, extended sequence. Extended, a very great, yeah, action sequence. Too. Okay. They said it's like mind blowing how uh, good it is. I have but, no yeah, doubt at you, all. But you nailed, you nailed that. Like, yeah, that's probably part of the climax. And 
Make it a trailer. Don't show anything in the last 45 minutes, especially a movie that length. All right. But, but <laughs> to kind of, we mentioned Tom Cruise and Christopher Nolan and Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. I'm going to frame it the way that Variety puts it. They said okay. in, one cor- in one corner, Tom Cruise <laughs> is gearing up to take a victory lap from the behemoth success of Top Gun Maverick with a sequel to his other big action franchise, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's expected to be one of the biggest movies of the summer. Some people even think it could be the biggest movie of the summer when it mm-hmm. opens on July 12th. They said in the other corner, Christopher Nolan, one of the few directors so famous that his name alone can draw crowds, is ready to release his highly anticipated Oppenheimer, the big budget drama about the creation of the atomic bomb launches just a week later on July 21st. At the center of the drama is access to IMAX screens and how the company's 401 North American screens will be divided between the two box office draws. Except in this case, there wasn't much to negotiate. <laughs> they said they said Paramount's Mission Impossible 7 is only playing on IMAX screens for one week, as first reported by Puck, a newsletter that covers that media business, before it has to relinquish all of his showtime to Oppenheimer. That's despite mm. Cruz making a few calls around town to remind everyone that not even a year ago, Maverick earned more than $100 million from IMAX alone. By shortening the IMAX run of Dead Reckoning, he suggests all involved parties risk losing out on serious coinage. But long before the off-delayed MI sequel moved to mid-July, Universal had already ironed out a rare agreement for Oppenheimer to control IMAX's entire North American footprint for three full weeks. Uh, Directors like Nolan use IMAX cameras to film their movies are typically granted a two-week exclusive window. Greta Gerwig's star-studded Barbie, which also opens on July 21st, isn't playing in IMAX at all as a result of that agreement. So, okay, well, that's uh, a leg up. You, uh, that, you know what? Tom Cruise is, like we said, I think he's one of the, probably the last really good example of like what a movie star is. Like a he's genuine the last movie star. action hero. Yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure he's a very nice guy and he's very passionate about the work, but oh, I could totally see him making those calls. <laughs> and being oh, like, hey. I, I think his short man syndrome is probably coming out when he calls. Need I remind you that yeah. like Maverick made a hundred million dollars on IMAX alone? I can see well, that totally. <laughs> hearing, hearing you deliver it in the way you just did, like from Variety, it's hard to say he's wrong. It's, oh, if I understand correctly, and this is not to suggest that I think that Oppenheimer should relinquish IMAX screenings to Dead Reckoning. I don't. They crafted yeah. this deal in advance that should be honored. It's that movie's made to be experienced in IMAX more right. so than I think Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Um, so if I understand correctly, did you say that Dead Reckoning was was back a week? Yeah, so it was yeah, delayed so on, that, the, on the calendar. On the calendar right. so that affected... That affected uh, and I understand why he'd be upset about that. Yeah, because yeah, that, and he, I mean, he's got a good point in the amount that Abrick made at IMAX screenings. Like now losing that week is going to be detrimental to the box office success of, not no doubt do I think it'll be a success, of course, but that, yeah. you know, a week at the movies is massive, especially yeah. before a movie like Oppenheimer comes out. Like uh, he has every right to be, you know, nervous or upset about that deal, but I don't think he's going to get anywhere. And I knew this when he was making these calls, I would have guessed the same thing that nobody was going to really push over for him, but yeah. I get where he's coming from, I guess, more so than I did before. Yeah. And I think IMAX, the IMAX CEO, uh, Ophan is he really wants to make them all happy. He said, I feel sad in the way that we can't accommodate all of them. I know mission impossible is going to be a really big movie. No one has a special place in IMAX's heart because he uses our cameras and promotes us. It's not a matter of us saying, which can we make more money on? I would hope after Oppenheimer's run, we can bring back mission impossible to IMAX screens. I feel like he just wants to like <laughs> make everyone happy. I mean, you have a big star in the sense with, uh, you know, 
Tom Cruise and right. that, like they like they made that statement. Nolan's name does bring in money, and that's a very rare thing for directors working today. Uh, I, but yeah, I could see that being a frustrating thing for Tom Cruise though, because <laughs> even though because even though Nolan's movie was shot with IMAX cameras, I'm sure the scope of Dead Reckoning would benefit a lot from the IMAX experience too. Uh, you're right. And one week is, yeah, not a lot, <laughs> not, not yeah. a lot of time. Uh, now, that's not to say that, like, the movie the movie will still be successful no matter what. I think it's probably going to be, I, uh, when they asked that question on 100 episode, which is going to be the biggest movie this summer, and I think it is. Yeah. At this point. I, I agree like, with you. We both said since, that. Since our June is looking not so great, uh, right. as, we thought, as we thought it was going to be, I, yep. think, uh, I think it still can. I totally get his frustration, and because he, you can tell that, like, oh, maybe it got, I mean, it can't go to his head. He did kind of save movies last year. <laughs> I mean, like he, Gun Maverick really did. Yeah, uh, would be I nice know... to see that rewarded with like this sort of like pushover. But I mean, it's from any other movie. I'd say maybe work out a deal. But I yeah. don't want any. I don't want Oppenheimer losing any IMAX screenings. So don't, don't, I wouldn't. I'd and that's where I'm, uh, and that's where most of that movie's money is going to come from. So yes. I mean, at least yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's not like it's Nolan's fault. No one's like, yo, this deal's in place. You know, like I get it. And I even get like, I even get like a two week exclusive window and they're giving me three because of a deal yeah. we came. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, a deal's a deal. I'm like, funny if Nolan called, if, if Tom Cruise called Nolan, like, do you see what you <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. Uh, come on. Uh, Starring your next movie for free. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right. Uh, Ah, she would but, not be a pairing. I would care to see, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they would work well together. Oh, I, I did not know that you would be like, oh, please stay away from I, Christopher Nolan. I mean, like, I would trust if Chris casted him. Like, hypothetically, I would trust Chris's uh, judgment. But like, just seeing the picture that on paper, you know what I'm saying? I think yeah. Tom maybe too much ego. But who Man, knows? Some some trades are calling Tom Cruise's call around town a meltdown. Others are saying that it was more diplomatic. We've, okay. we've, heard, we've we've heard him melt down uh, yeah we before. have <laughs> uh, so uh, in, but like i would imagine someone like him who is aware of who he is would know mm-hmm. like a story about those kind of phone calls would get out and like he wouldn't like be too like manning rude you know well yeah I mean, i'm sure he knows too you're not going to get what you want by demanding things from people like i feel like he'd yeah. probably be appealing to reason and and probably pleading more than demanding i would guess anyway because i think he's a rational yeah. guy i think like meltdown we were just mentioning was totally justified and was like for a good you know came from a good place i don't think he's like a tyrant by any means right but i'd be interested uh, to have heard them for sure uh, one thing i don't know if it's true or not uh, be really interesting if he said this but one report claimed he even tried to convince his fellow rivals to postpone their releases so he could have more time amex screens available to really? if possible okay in hmm. the, the, i don't know if he has that kind of pool <laughs> yeah, yeah. you might think that he does but i don't know i'm not sure it'd be interesting to know how the validity of that statement but no yeah. i can't imagine that going over well with studios no no, no, no matter what Top God Maverick did for the industry, no. I guess. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting because uh, I could just totally see that phone, those phone calls. Like I just like him in his office. Uh, someone actually compared. Someone actually compared it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They compared yeah. It to that. They were like, they were like, this is him like calling like all these like. Everyone I will at Uni- fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, everyone at Universal and Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Oh God. I still the first time I watched Tropic Thunder, I and I'm this is the case with many people I know, but I had no idea that was Tom Cruise as Les Grossman. Yeah, oh, uh, so so good, and I love that he mostly improv that stuff. I, I found that out. I thought that was cool. The performance was so. Uh, 
understood that when that movie came out, other than Robert Downey Jr., they were really pushing him for like a supporting actor nomination too for that, uh, which would have been interesting, would have been fun. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. would have been fun. One. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which again, <laughs> I don't remember like... really finding that out when we were talking about it and being yeah, so... like, what? I think that's a reach for Tom in that movie, but I think it's a fun enough role. Like it's nice that he should have had some recognition. I could see maybe a go far as a globe nom, but yeah. But not about an Oscar. I don't know. As Les Grossman, I don't know. But he is a big part of what makes that movie hilarious. Oh, and I want to mention uh this too. Uh, since you know that battle of the IMAX screens, it's, it's not going to be won by Tom Cruise, guys. So he he's getting them for no. a week. That's it. So everyone that really wants support, I'm sure that movie's going to make a lot of money. But if you really want to support Tom Cruise and IMAX, go see it on IMAX in its opening week. That's all you're going to get it, and you have three weeks of Oppenheimer to go see it on a big IMAX screen. So that's right. There you have it. Uh, I didn't mention this earlier. I should probably should have mentioned this when we were talking about the Flash. But another uh, I didn't mention to see you either. But uh, the director of the Flash, I think it's. Is it Andy Machete? I want to make sure. Yes. I that right. Yeah. Uh, he is sticking with uh, DC family, and he has been chosen to direct Batman: The Brave and the Bolt for the DCU. I'm very glad you brought that up because I had this like in my mind when we were yeah. talking about the Flash to bring up, and I'm thinking now. In you think they changed? You think they changed their mind now? They're like, Ooh. I, I don't know if they changed their mind, but I'm thinking that they're probably regretting maybe like like jumping on that bandwagon so quick, like yeah. getting him to direct the next one. Like, I don't think this movie's. I mean, yeah, okay. I guess I gotta see it before I can really say something like that. I think Andy Muschietti is a great director. Let's get that out of yeah. the way. I mean, the It movies, he did a fantastic job with them. But then again, that's a whole different sort of can of worms, different IP, different yeah. genre movie. I really liked what he did with those movies. I think he's a capable director. I don't know that this is the movie that you go all in on Andy for and to bring back and make more big budget superhero movies. But different regime will be, he'll be making this movie with different you know, execs, who knows? it yeah. could be different i think it's definitely a ballsy play this early with the reception this movie's getting to snag him for movies later in the dcu yeah. i don't know i don't think that would have been a decision i made but yeah it seems like the way they've chosen him it's almost like the way they are keeping matt reeves kind of in that family too they want like these directors that like they feel yeah. have like a bit long-term vision for like some of these projects um i mean i mean i think internally everyone likes what he did with the flash so that could be why they wanted to keep him um it, it seems like the studio and like those in charge have no issues with like creative choices that he made and basically kind of proved like he could handle uh, not so many easy circumstances i mean i guess a lot yeah, that's true he proved himself working under yeah. hard circumstances so that's that. and for those that don't know what the brave and the bold is uh, Brave and the bold is based on the comic series authored by grant morrison and it centers on a bat family where bruce wayne's biological son damien serves as robin to his dad's batman um, so uh, I don't really know a lot about the Baby and Bolt other than, than what I just read to you. I know uh, that much, exactly, yeah. I also, full disclosure, I think I mentioned this before, I grew up more of a Marvel Comics guy rather than a DC uh, mm. person. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure anyone listening can kind of fill us in on how good this story kind of is. Uh, I know people are excited that it's getting adapted. I saw that on Twitter and stuff. Like, people seem really excited that they're moving forward with it. Um, I feel like this news probably would have hit a little better be Monday. Oh. Does it hit better? Does it hit better after the box office numbers come out to be like, let's distract you from that? Or I don't know. I guess it doesn't, there's no good timing, I guess, for it. I don't think there's a good timing, especially (laughs) just being associated with Flash right now. And I don't know what's to be excited for if this is the best we got from him. Like, what can we expect? I know it's going to be different properties and stuff, but it's still going to be DC stuff. So I don't know. I also like your comment about like the long term vision and stuff that he would have with this property. Like, yeah, to an extent, but. 
that's also, as far as we understand, like this movie isn't going to really be connected to the DCU going forward. So like they don't feel really related, at least I don't associate them as really being related. So I would have, but it'll be, I guess, a chance for him to like learn and adapt. I guess we'll see. I don't really feel one way or the other about, I just feel it's odd that they really like threw their eggs in one basket with him after this, but a little bit too early, but whatever, I could be wrong. You're wrong. I mean, yeah, I feel like they were like kind of maybe feeling a little good. Because this this news got announced yeah. on Friday. This was announced Friday, I think. Yeah, they got humbled quick, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I think they got real, real, real quick. Uh, and I also want to mention this. I don't have to spend too much time on it. I just saw it pop up my thing. Uh, I love I love what Sarah Pauly did with Women Talking. I think that's I happy that she won her Oscar for the screenplay. Yep. I thought Women but Talking she, was but, a fantastic movie. But she's in development to direct a live action Bambi movie, and I was like, oh, no one, a you know what? People spun this in a really positive way on online, where they're like, "You know what, Sarah Polly, you make that Disney buddy." So, like, yeah, I cool, yeah, I yeah. guess. Look at but, like I compare this to Chloe Zhao after. Um, oh, after uh, Nomadland, yes. Look how that went. I mean, this is different woman, different circumstances, but I'm like, I think we've learned that like just because you can make a great smaller scale indie movie, yeah, that does not necessarily mean that that's going to translate to a big budget you know, tentpole animated feature. Now, yeah. An- Eternals wasn't animated, so different comparison, but one does not necessarily mean you can helm the other. And I feel like, you know, give her some time to own her craft and make something prove her worthwhile because yeah. this has been proven already to not be a winning strategy. Eternals still is like, I think they're still kind of getting over the... Yeah, the, this reminds me of like the... Like, Barry Jenkins did Moonlight and it feels Street yes. And then now he's 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 doing that Lion King doing? live light Lion King live action yeah, sequel. And I was like, why well, right. I mean, I'm not saying that these people shouldn't. I mean, if they feel like they can bring something to these projects, I just I'm just so tired of the live action Disney thing. Oh my uh, god, yeah. But I mean, I guess I maybe I should look at it the way everyone else is like, yo, Sarah Polly, make that Disney money and maybe you can like fund some smaller indie project you want to I guess on? I always forget that that is a that is like a reason why, a reason why. sometimes. Yeah. But what yeah, per deadline, this new take is set to be a musical, and it will feature music from six time, <laughs> from six time, from six time Grammy winning country star Casey Musgraves, okay. Micah Micah Fitzerman Blue, and Noah Harpster all are also said to have written the most recent draft of this script, but it is also still kind of um, in the early development phase. I mean, I just and guys, the original Bambi, the cartoon was not a musical, so this is going to be that's all what new. I'm growing <laughs> about. Man, I'm sure they just want to make a new generation of kids cry when Bambi's mom dies. <laughs> as if they're <laughs> as if they're gonna go anywhere near showing that though. You know, Disney doesn't have the balls to do anything like that. I'm just like, why can't you kill them to make it? A, I know that this is not a surprise. They've had this huge slate of you know classics that they're adapting the live action. Right. Would it kill them to make something original? I like, actually, at this point, I think it would. Like, I think they're terrified to do something original. Who right. wants this? Well, they're, I know. Well, they're like, well, I guess their recent examples are like, hey, guys, we gave you Elemental. You guys can go see it. Yeah. Our, 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 what was that one last in November? Okay. Str- Fair. Yeah, Stra- Strange Worlds or Strange World, or whatever. That flocked oh, for them. And I was like, I yeah. idea. But just because your original ideas tank doesn't mean you give up on them. You just keep trying until you get one that hits. Exactly. It's not like they're making anything better with their live action remakes. Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, Sarah Pauly. Do you? I just wish you're, yeah. you know, doing something else. But I, this is the case. This is exact reaction I have whenever some big name gets attached to the next Marvel movie because he goes, then it ends up going how it goes, and I'm like, I would have loved to see this creator do something original instead yep. of 
like Sam Raimi doing Doctor Strange too. I would have loved to see him do something original and crazy. Then yeah. that's just one example of many. But yeah, no, Sarah Pauly knocked it out of the park with women talking. You know, I would love to see her do something, something original. But you're right. You know what? If this goes well for her, then maybe she will be able to finance another original product. That's always the yeah. project, rather Pro- product. Product. It's a product when it's <laughs> Disney. It's a project when it's not. <laughs> yeah, that's true, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. All righty. Does that bring us to uh, this weekend's uh, I believe prediction? I believe it does. Yes, which is an interesting one this week. We it's almost an interesting one. We almost sure. do it. We we're going to do it. I think for a second, but then we said fuck it because it's like you know it's not like a release like the Flash. But I think this is an important release because uh, the movie we're talking about is No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. It is kind of being dubbed as this like kind of return to form for like the r-rated raunchy comedy and but like we've said on previous episodes like these haven't really done that well box office wise recently like we were a long way from like super bad and the hangover and neighbors and stuff like that that used to kill yeah they used to kill it uh the interesting thing about this one is i think press screenings are going on right now so i don't know what the early word is so far yet i think i read one guy darren's movie reviews that listens to us he gave it a good review i read his and he gave it a pretty solid review I haven't seen like a mass amount of reviews from early screenings yet. Uh, that'll probably go a long way to seeing how this does. Uh, tracking has it at $13 million opening weekend. Hey, kind of, kind of low. And I'm trying to see if I can find it. Is, yeah. Okay. I want to see if I can find the budget for it. Cause I imagine it's not too expensive. You can't imagine uh, it's huge. I mean, I'm sure General Lawrence probably commands a decent paycheck, but there's nobody else uh, seems to be too popular in it. It doesn't seem like, uh, I can't really have it. Trying to look it up now, and I've been really haven't seen. Oh, nothing popping up just yet. I can't imagine okay. being too. Oh, never mind. I found it, and that is oh. a ridiculous. That is ridiculously high. Uh, no hard feelings. No hard feelings is carrying a budget of around seventy million dollars. I think. It, oh. I mean, a lot of that. A lot oh. of that probably went to her. I mean, she. I think she commands like twenty million dollars a movie, even though she hasn't really. 20? I. But I think she hasn't done much recently. She took, took a break. Right. Uh, she had like she had a kid too, like uh, married, all that. Uh, <laughs> wow. It's funny we had a similar discussion. Even though it was a smaller budget, we were talking about Carolee Wait and the twelve million dollars. I was like, "Where'd that go?" <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. What did you guys spend yeah. that on? Uh, recreating that house so they could party in? I don't know. Uh, sometimes okay. comedies like this have stupid big budgets. I think it's mostly because of the stars that are attached to them. I guess, yeah. It's not like I mean, I can imagine much of it's going to like effects or anything like that. I don't really know where they're spreading this money out to. But you're definitely right. Just back to an earlier comment you made about movies and their budgets like just being massive these days like i feel like have we have people forgotten how to allocate money towards things and who's conscious with our financing like why does this movie need to be so there's so many dollars? examples where they're like oh we lost so much money on that like okay then don't how like are you losing money on stuff like what don't spend 70 million dollars on like comedy <laughs> it's it's not a this movie this should be <laughs> half of that like i guess like you know a lot of it going to j-law that makes sense but like i mean trying to negotiate with her like she needs this i feel like actually now that i say that i think i might walk that back i was gonna say she needs this movie more than they need her but now i kind of feel like it might be a mutual thing because she hasn't been in anything crazy in the last few years yeah i don't think she made anything last year her last credit i think is red sparrow wasn't it yeah uh that was it has it been that long 2021 that's the last thing i can think of anyway oh shit maybe she might have been like one smaller movie i think maybe after that but oh wait no she did a Netflix one. That look up. She was in that. And, oh right. Okay. Well, there was one as well, though. Yeah, yeah. But that was there. Was like, man, yeah. She's had a gap, and considering because she was in everything for a little bit. Oh <laughs> she yeah. Was like, she was in back to back to back movies uh, for yes. a long time. Uh, 
God, so if the normal, like, by the way, just long term, if the normal 0.5 times your production budget is like flies here, it needs to make $175 million worldwide to break even. That is insane. Uh, I think it's doing that. I don't think it's doing that either. Uh, we'll just talk the opening weekend. Yeah. yeah. And, and every, one thing at a time. <laughs> every, 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 one, every time I've seen the trailer, uh, movies I've seen recently, people seem to like it. Okay. Like they're laughing at it and stuff. And I think, you know, being in you know from the creators of boys is like a good start uh, like throwing that in there too because okay, that, that movie, movie that, yeah. that movie made money too that's one of like the, probably one of the most recent examples of a movie like that i think it's because it's kids saying the f word though that was right like, brought people to see that i don't think it was like fantastic by any means but it had some good laughs so i mean if we have, we'll see. If we, have to, we have to go back to uh a female leading uh rated comedy we mentioned it before but train wreck that was in 2015 right Oh my god. 2015. Uh and Trainwreck, thankfully, more modestly budgeted at $35 million budget. That seems great. That movie opened to $30.6 million when it opened in 2015, grossed $110.2 million in basically and $140.8 million worldwide. That's a big hit for something like that. But that's the last kind of real big example we've had of a movie like this doing eight years. And doing huge numbers, yeah. I've been like overestimating all these lately. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I had an original number, but I'm going to go down. Okay. I, I want to know what your original was, though. I was going to say 20. Okay. I'm knocking it down to 15. And it's tracking at 13? Yeah. Okay. Well, I honestly, I don't know what it is. I just feel like this movie is going to have a more powerful opening weekend. I, I like the number 18. And I also think that like Jennifer Lawrence is a stronger pull than Mie Schumer by a landslide. And you know what? It'll be the right amount of time since we've had something like this that audiences are going to want to. Honestly, when was the last like really like straight up comedy we've had to go see? I feel like everything these days is superhero. So I have a feeling that like teens yeah. and like young adults and like parents looking for a night out are going to go see this in droves. I just have a feeling. Maybe not droves, oh, like, but. Game Night came out in 2018. I mean, that's, that's one of the movies I remember. Yeah. I love Game Night. That made, that made $117 million worldwide. Shit. Uh, the thirty-seven million dollar budget, you can make these movies for cheap. Okay. And, and, and I had a big cast too. I mean, Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, like there was a big Jesse Plemons. There was a yeah. huge cast in that movie. Uh, uh, something's and, weird. <laughs> and, and honestly, uh, the movie had legs too. Uh, it didn't have a huge opening weekend, but it played well. Like in the subsequent weeks that it was out. So yeah, I mean, I would love if it overperforms. I would love to see it. Like I'm, yep, but. Tracking, I mean, tracking was so. I mean, tracking wasn't even accurate on the flash. Like they lowballed it. It's still, yeah, that's lower, crazy. lower than that. Uh, but yeah, I'll do fifteen. You I'm gonna go eighteen. Always have right. a difference of three million. It seems. Three million. Yeah, how yeah, we do. But we're rooting for you, Jennifer Lawrence, and I think the movie does look funny, and hopefully it does well and brings these kind of movies back uh, theatrically. I mean, we are getting them, I think, streaming wise, but like they're not really in the theaters anymore. So hopefully, uh, no hard feelings does some good business. Yeah, I think that's about it. I do want to announce too because I got this message before we yes. started record. We started recording. Uh, the mixed reviews uh, podcast got back to me and okay. about about the Fast and Furious collection. They did win that, so I actually have their address and everything. So I'm going to ship that to them this week. Uh, actually, awesome. be on our. I'll be on our socials ahead of you hearing it on here. But uh, still have to announce another. Uh, wait a little bit longer. Maybe one more week. We'll call it one more week, and I'll. Uh, we have to kind of redraw for the Raging uh, Bull one. I think I'm still want to give the person a chance to maybe, maybe they're busy, maybe just life happens, whatever. Uh, 
Uh, But yes, at least we can announce that one of them uh, get back to us and I got their shipping information and they will be getting their uh, Fast and Furious 4K movie collection. And they seem very excited about it, so cool. Yeah, thank you for (laughs) listening and for entering the the draw because that's huge and and it paid off. Good for them. All right, yeah, our our first big news show in like forever. Yeah. It seems like. like... Honestly, though, like probably like close to three weeks now. This is episode 103, is it not? And we took a little break from episode 100 onwards, so. Nice to be back to business and back to the regular, even though it was kind of like a dismal, <laughs> Very sad. Like none of it was really like positively spun, but I mean, yeah. that's kind of fun. To... It's just life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how it is. But uh, guys, if you're listening, you means you've made it to the end of episode 103 of Back to the Blockbuster. Thanks a lot for sticking with us and for being along with the ride. For those of you that listened at the end of episode 102, you guys will remember we were plugging Chris Stuckman's movie, uh, the Oaks, which is currently they are looking to fundraise a little bit more money to get through their VFX uh, part of the editing process. Uh, for those that don't know, Chris Stuckman is a YouTuber turned filmmaker who's making and now in the post-production process of his first feature film. So if you guys are interested in you know supporting a first-time feature filmmaker, especially someone that has been in the game for a long time, this guy is like a YouTube you know movie review god. Uh, I said go support him. You can do so at shelbyoaksmovie.com. So go over there and do that. Uh, and guys, thanks a lot for joining Gaius and I on this week's episode of Back to the Blockbuster. Hope it was an exciting episode. I hope it is as fun a listen as it was to discuss. Gaius, it's always a pleasure. And uh, you guys know the drill, where to find us anywhere on social media or wherever you guys get your podcasts at Back to the Blockbuster. Thanks for joining us in episode 103. Gaius, I'll talk to you this week. Uh, you have a yep. fantastic week. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Yep, for sure. Peace. Fantastic. Peace out, guys.